Hello, my name is Tem Larry Jane Gapsiso, and this is the Larry's Cafe podcast. Most of what I will discuss will be in very specific contexts of the Nigerian reality. For more information, please check the podcast show notes. Hello, my name is Tem. My full name is Tem Larry Jane Gapsiso, and this is Larry's Cafe's first podcast. It's called Creative Rights Who Owns What? Now, what's going to happen is I'm going to be discussing different kinds of um, creative rights across different creative industries. And I'm going to also explain who owns what, well, which is very obvious from the uh, title of the podcast. Well, basically, I'm going to explain how it's possible for other people apart from the creator to own the rights to a particular creative work. And today is going to be about the gospel. So today's episode, or this first episode rather, is the gospel and the public domain. I'm going to be explaining what the gospel is. I'm going to explain what public domain is. I'm going to explain the context of what I just said. <laughs> so uh, first of all, the gospel is basically the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's what Christians believe to be the truth and what gives them salvation, which of which I'm one of them. So, and then the public domain is basically the fact that everybody in the, in the general public has access to be able to use something without having to get permission from somebody else. So, the opposite of public domain in this context will be monopoly of use and monopoly of license and everything. So, for instance, um, I'll give an example of something that is now in the public domain. An example is the story of Winnie the Pooh. Initially, you, you could not remake the story without getting the permission of the author or since the author is dead, the family or the estate of the author, basically people that currently own the rights to the stories, which could, now that I think about it, I'm not sure if it's still in his family. He could have sold it before he died or something. But basically, the rights to the story has now entered the public domain because the number of years that it's supposed to have like monopoly on it has expired and now anybody can use the story anybody can make a movie based on the story anybody can make animations sing about it write poetry anything and you will not be stopped because that monopoly has ended that's basically what public domain means now in terms of the gospel though it's quite weird to think about the gospel and public domain in the sense that people believe that the gospel is for everybody and they should not have to pay to listen to any kind of content that um, preaches the gospel basically whether music whether film whether cartoons even down to like poetry everything people believe that since it's the gospel it should be for free because i mean salvation is free right so i'm going to be explaining and kind of going around that i'm going to come in i'm going to be coming from the legal aspect so um the thing with um, content though is that from the moment it's created it has ownership like somebody can actually claim to own it however for the gospel and the content of the bible basically these things were written a long time ago and in nigeria the length of time for monopoly on uh, copyright copyright basically is the law that governs content so the mono, the length of time is usually 70 years after the author has died that's if it's the author that if it's an individual that owns it now if it belongs to a registered corporation that's 50 years after it was created if it's a broadcast that's depending on the nature of the work then that's 50 years after it was created as well so um they are different they are, they are different um should i say nuances to all these things plus the law can change anytime because i know there's a copyright bill um in the legislative arm of government right now so anything could change plus there could be changes in the future with don't know but right now that's the law the law says that you can have monopoly for that long now there are other kinds of um gospel content but before i talk about the kinds of gospel content i want to talk about the fact that 
um, the gospel itself is a message. It's from the word um, God's spell. Yes, God's spell rather. And I think it means it directly translates to good news or good story. So basically, the gospel itself is a message. Like I said earlier, it's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so, um, by nature, it is a message. It is not really a genre. So when you think about things like, if you think about genres, maybe music, you think about rock, you think about my piano, you think about juju, you think about high life, you think about R&B, hip-hop, and the rest. Those are genres of music. The gospel itself is not a genre. There is no specific sound that you hear and you're like, yay, this is the gospel. No. The gospel itself is a message. So anything that doesn't um, glorify the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ is not the gospel. Even if it has buzzwords like Jesus, Baba, Eshe, um, which is like, if it's Yoruba, um, then if it's House of Bangiji and the rest, like if it, if it has those buzzwords or regular general Christianese, it is not the gospel unless it actually fulfills the requirement of passing across this particular message. So even in film, we have thriller movies, we have horror, we have um, comedy, we have romance and the rest. They can, they can actually pass the message of the gospel through those movies, but if that message is not passed, it's not a gospel. It's not, sorry, rather, it's not a gospel content at all, even if it's comedy. If it doesn't pass across this message, or if it makes a mockery of this message, it is not gospel content. So when you think about yourself as, let's say, um, the most popular kind of um, gospel content creators, a gospel artist. So if you think of yourself as a gospel artist, just know that that does not limit you to any imaginary kind of, um, should I say, uh, genre of music. So a lot of times, um, I remember in the early 2000s, a lot of gospel music was usually in whether reggae, it was usually mostly reggae or um, I think electronic, not electronic music, um, rock music rather, yes. So it was mostly from, we're listening to a lot of gospel music from places like Hillsong and the rest. And so everybody assumed, not everybody, but a lot of people assumed that gospel music had to sound a particular way for it to be called gospel. But no, that's a fallacy, like throw that away. However, um, there are popular ways that gospel music is being sung. You cannot take that away from people, but it is not a genre of music. So that's like really important. And um, even down to stories, you, there, there's also like in writing, when you write books, there's fiction, there's non-fiction. Both of them can have the, um, both kinds of genres of writing can have the message of the gospel in them, but that does not make them, um, that, that, is not, that does not limit the gospel to any kind of genre. The gospel can be in a historical novel, which is very popular, I think. Um, there are a lot of authors that use the gospel in historical stories. I can't think of any of them right now. But there's also like fantasy. Um, there are different kinds of stories. But basically, as long as they pass the message of the gospel, you can call them gospel. But that does not mean it's a genre. And personally, I don't really like the idea of um, having gospel genre, like having um, gospel categories in any kind of awards. I feel like it's just simply a message. Some people pass across different kinds of messages. Some people pass across political messages in different kinds of genres of music. Some people pass across um, romantic messages. People have their own agendas. People, everybody has their motives. The gospel is also an agenda. It's a motive. People, we want to spread it around to everybody. It's a message. And I feel that it should not be relegated to a particular, as, as a class or a genre. It's kind of like boxing it in. It's almost like saying that if you're a gospel artist, your music can only sound in this this ways or if it sounds really good let's say as an afrobeat song then you can if you you only compete with people that um, pass the message of the gospel i'll give an example let's say 
in like any Nigerian um, award show, you put the gospel in a particular um, in a particular um, what's it called category, right? So what you're doing is that if that song is actually better than many other songs that ha- are in the same genre, it cannot compete with other ones. For instance, let's say um, a maybe a, Fra- a Frank Edwards song, probably very good. Um, let me see R and B, right? And it's only uh, competing with other gospel songs that are probably not even in the same genre. It's probably competing with a juju um, gospel music or with a like an Afrobeat gospel music. Oh no, I already said it's Afrobeat. So maybe like a rock gospel music, right? And let's say the rock gospel music probably has like a lot of good instrumental and it's probably even a live performance. Now that live performance song win over this one. Meanwhile, this Afrobeat song is probably better than another song that is in a secular genre maybe for um next rated artist or something else so basically i feel it's very limiting and we should remove that thing the whole idea of um create of boxing in gospel music as a genre is completely false it's that is wrong and this brings me to the next thing um there's this controversy when you um perform or, or rather when you like talk about or you you are expressing gospel content is it a performance or is it ministration now as a christian at the back of your mind you should know that you are ministering because like i said the um, the idea of the gospel the message of the gospel has its motive so the motive is to spread it right so if you you have the motive of spreading the gospel through that particular content then you are ministering now does it mean that um now calling it a performance kind of it feels like as if you're degrading the sacredness in quotes of that particular content but i feel it's just um terminologies you get however there are a lot of things that are tied to these terminologies that kind of make cause these controversies to come and that's usually this issue of whether people should pay to be able to get this thing so most times in music the idea is if it's a gospel music concert people should be able to come in free but if it's a secular music concert people should be, have to pay through their nose or just basically have to pay tickets buy tickets to be able to come in and enjoy this thing so now the idea is the gospel we want it to spread right and whether we like it or not when you give people stuff for free this is like a fundamental truth. When you give people stuff for free, they don't value it as much as when they have to work for it. But does it mean that we're trying to sideline people that cannot afford these things? No. So there are a lot of gospel content out there that are free. Yes. However, there is nothing wrong in creating gospel content and putting it up for sale. Most times, it's usually the um, act of putting in the fixed form you're trying to pay for. So for instance, you get a hall, let's say it's a concert, you get a hall, you get sound, you get light, you get um, a stage, you get probably even costumes, the musical instruments. And we know that a lot of gospel artists in this country put in a lot of work when it comes to um, their live performances. So with all these things, these things don't pay for themselves. You have to actually pay for them. And most times, the only way to recoup this money is by getting people to pay tickets to be able to enjoy these things. However, there there's a lot of gospel music out there for free. I I know this that a lot of gospel artists volunteer on their own to upload their music on sites that are not that you don't have to pay money to stream. So a lot of them actually put it up for free. However, I feel that it's very important for you to be able to pay for these things because the only way they can be able to go back and make these things again is if there's money from the first one in the first place. So this is very important. So it's um, it being a performance does not mean it's not administration because administration is just simply the impact and the message that's being passed while the music is being performed in quotes. 
However, um, the back to the point of this um, podcast episode, which is the gospel and the public domain, and the question that this podcast series is answering, creative rights, who owns what? Gospel music is owned by the person that sang the song, which is very clear. Now, this is what the law says. It says that for a song to have copyrights, like I mentioned earlier, copyright is basically the right that governs um, all content in Nigeria. So for a song to have copyright protection, it needs to, first of all, be original, and secondly, to be put in a fixed form. So now, if you have a song and you record it, that's a fixed form. So it has copyright protection. So it's that fixed form, that recording that actually has the protection, but it also protects the lyrics and it protects like many other aspects of the fixed form. Yeah. But the tricky part though is the lyrics, the words, because most times we get a lot of gospel content from the Bible and most people, Christians all over the world read the same Bible, right? And we are getting the same content and we are like creating well, rather, we're getting the same um, words and we're creating content out of them. So now the Bible itself, you cannot claim copyrights to the lyrics, the words in the Bible, because first of all, it's in the public domain. It has been in public domain longer than any copyright law was created. So you can't even use the idea of monopoly of dates, like saying that, okay, 70 years, like Nigerian law says or anything like that. And more importantly, the gospel, the Bible rather, is the compendium of books. It's basically many books Six, six books put together into one book. So if you want to talk about the issue of copyright, you have to mention the fact that it's owned by six, six different authors, or not necessarily six, six different authors, but like many different authors because some authors wrote more than one book in the Bible. So when you think about that, you have to realize, okay, even if there's going to be a conversation of the ownership of the Bible or like the words in the Bible, the conversation cannot be had today by anybody alive right now. So that's like, let's just dead that part. Now, the part we should now look at is, if you use a particular lyric in, or you get a particular lyric from the Bible, are you the owner of that thing since you've made a song out of it? Well, the Bible in itself is in a public domain. However, the, your interpretation of that content is what belongs to you. And it's going to, you can have monopoly over that for a long time. For instance, if maybe the whole of your song is a Bible scripture, right? Or like maybe a chapter of, a, a, of the Bible. And your own contribution to that song, your own originality is probably just the melody and the beats. Then your copyright in the song is just protecting the melody and the beats. You cannot go and fight anybody for the lyrics. Like, no. The lyrics are in the public domain. The beats, the melody, that's for you. That's where Monopoly comes in. Now, I realize I've been speaking about music for very long. So I'll go into other kinds of content. We have um, design which is very popular these days because a lot of people are creating Christian merch. So in that, in the case of Christian merch, when you come talk, when we come talk about like words that you write on like t-shirts, hoodies, face caps, and the rest, but those words, just like I mentioned with music, those words, especially if they're gotten from the Bible or they're gotten from general Christian literature, you have to remember that you don't have ownership of those words. However, the design of those words, or like if there's any artistic um, thing to it, then you cannot claim ownership of that aspect because that's where the originality came from. Like I mentioned, with copyright, there's originality and then there is um, there's originality and then there's a fixed form. So the fixed form is basically like in the you what has to be original is basically your contribution to that kind of content. And I'll give an example. It's not just because it's not just the copyright law that protects um, create the creative industry, but it protects content specifically. So in terms of other kinds of um, creative things like branding, trademark, 
is what um trademark law is what protects that so if for instance is the brand logo or the brand colors and in case of designs if it's like the col- a particular color of shirt or let me use this famous um red sole that's a i forgot the name of the brand i'm not very good with brand names but basically everybody knows that if you see the, the shoe has an under part and it belongs to a particular brand so if you have something similar if you have a similar element in your own design you can claim that but when it comes to comes to things details of the gospel that that um should i say introduced in your stuff then you have to realize that that introduction that thing that has been introduced in into your um creation you don't have uh, any form of monopoly over that particular element but you can claim you can claim monopoly over the other elements so in terms of trademark for instance if you you create your own font if you're the person that creates your own font if you create a, a new font and you're writing um random scriptures in that font maybe on a t-shirt then you can now say that you have the right to the so that particular like you can now register it as a trademark but what you're registering as trademark is not necessarily the words but the design and everything however trademark law is also a bit um, tricky in the sense that if the word is unique and it passes all the tests and requirements of the trademark registry then you can actually register that word and actually have sole ownership to be able to use the word however trademarks are registered in classes so for instance if you register you are registering it to use um commercially in a particular class let's say um education then in any form of education you can use it and you have complete monopoly but if somebody else is using it to make um let's say electric things and is like using it as a brand name for an electric um company then that's like out of the question you don't have monopoly in that particular aspect then um basically like if you have to ask yourself who owns what you have to ask um where it's coming from so who owns what exactly is it the um, elements you got from the bible is it the elements you got from christian literature or is it what the elements that you introduce into it so the owner of it is if it's the elements from the bible then the owners are the public like the general public owns it that's what we call the public domain but if it's the, an element that you introduce yourself then you can now say that's where monopoly comes in so basically i think i've success, successfully rather answered the question um creative right who owns what in relation to the gospel and the public domain so the gospel generally like we know is it's for the public everybody's supposed to get it but in terms of who owns what it's the elements that you introduce that you can claim ownership for under trademark law under copyright law but at the same time I, I want to encourage us as much as possible right to be creative only in elements that are not in content let me put it this way if you want to be creative about the gospel cre- be creative but make sure you don't change the message of the gospel because the moment you change the message you're not a gospel um creative anymore what you're doing you're most likely just taking advantage and um that that's that's another conversation for another time but at least for now you you kind of understand that um when it comes to the gospel and the public domain anything in the bible is the public domain anything in christian literature generally is the public domain so in terms of i think i already mentioned this earlier in terms of administration and performance well you shouldn't i think these are not things that you should like stress over as long as you know what you're doing is or original you put it in a fixed form and it doesn't go against christianity and what it teaches so thank you for listening to my podcast thank you for listening to me talk and talk and talk i have more episodes for you guys episode two is going to be very interesting it's going to be about another element 
of intellectual property it's also going to be about another aspect of the creative industry so thanks and have a lovely day if you have questions concerning the podcast please join the Larry's cafe community that's the only place i can guarantee my swift response for any other kind of inquiries you can send an email to info at larryscafe.org also take note that nothing discussed or mentioned in the Larry's cafe podcast is intended as legal or professional advice so please do your research and consult with professionals Larry's cafe its speakers and guests shall not bear responsibility for any decisions you make or actions you take based on the information in the podcast i hope you enjoyed this episode once again my name is Tim Larry. Till next time. Bye.